Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here's your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast, brought to you by socialmediaexaminer.com. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know what works with social media. Today's show is sponsored by Social Media Marketing World 2017, our mega conference coming up in just a couple of weeks. I am really excited about today's show. I'm going to be joined by Mark Schaefer, and we'll explore the concept of becoming known, also known as thought leadership. If you desire to make a name for yourself, this is the show for you. By the way, if you want to reach out to me, email me at podcast at socialmediaexaminer.com. Let's transition over to this week's brand new discovery. Helping you stay alive in a social jungle, here's this week's survival tip. This week I'm joined by Eric Fisher with a brand new discovery. What'd you find, Eric? This week I found a really cool tool for remote workers, which let's face it, a lot of marketers are. It's called Work From, and it's kind of like the Yelp of remote working spaces. So when you say it's the Yelp, first of all, is it an app? It is a site as well as an iOS app and an Android app. And what does it do exactly? Yeah. So imagine, you know how Yelp works where you've got you basically, hey, this is where I am. What's nearby me that is good food? And it would be community rated and it will give you info about that place. Now substitute food for remote working spaces, and you got the gist of it. It'll walk you through whether it's a pi- a public space or a private space, what the Wi-Fi speeds are. Does it give if you the rates too? Yeah, it'll it'll tell you uh, the speeds. It'll give you whether it costs something, what it costs. It'll tell you if there's food and beverages available, huh. whether it's open late, whether it's indoor or outdoor. If there's natural light, like all those different kinds of if it's if it's quiet or if it's like a more communal type space, all those things that you have to those factors you have to consider when choosing to work at a remote workstation. Well, it's interesting because let's say you work out of your home. Excuse me. And um, you have, uh, you know, it's summertime and the kids are home and they're screaming and stuff and you need Mm -hmm. a quiet place to go or you've got someone in from out of town for a couple of days. Um, What are some other applications? Yeah, well, so for example, all of us that are traveling to San Diego for Social Media Marketing World and are going to be there days ahead or days after the event, we don't want to just maybe work in a hotel room. We want to get out. And so we can go to what are the greatest coffee shops or workspace, you know, workspaces there. Oh, coffee shops are included too, huh? Yes. Yeah, exactly. And Panera's probably and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So, um, uh, I'm assuming it's free. It is free and it it covers over 12,500 cities worldwide and has a community of about 250,000 people who are adding new sites all the time or giving their input on the sites that are out there. Have you tried it? I did, actually. I went in and I was doing some searches for some of the places uh, nearby me and even added some that I knew they didn't have in their mix. Cool. And uh, it was pretty cool. They also have a blog on their site that tells you uh, tips and tricks about how to work better remotely and how to optimize your workspace at home as well. So Sweet. I-, I fell in love with the site, to be what's, honest. What's the name of it again? It's called Work From, and you can find it at workfrom.co. That's .co. 
Or you can download an app in the App Store or whatever, right? Yes. Yeah. You go to iOS or Android's uh, app stores and look for the word work from. Awesome. Thank you so much for bringing us this new discovery, Eric. You're welcome. Have you been hearing me talk about social media marketing world for what seems like months? Is it just basically something you wish you could go to, but you just know you can't make it? Well, seriously consider our virtual ticket. What is the virtual ticket? It gives you the opportunity to benefit from all the content that's presented at Social Media Marketing World, literally everything, at your convenience over time. Uh, This is a very affordable, alternative way for you to get kind of the best of Social Media Marketing World. To discover more about what the virtual ticket is, how it works, just simply visit socialmediaworld17.com, check out the agenda, and ask yourself whether that content would be of any benefit for your business, and then go ahead and book your virtual ticket. Again, that URL, socialmediaworld17.com. And now for my interview with Mark Schaefer. Helping you simplify your social safari, here's this week's expert guide. This week, I'm very excited to be joined by Mark Schaefer. If you don't know who Mark is, he's a prolific blogger, author, and speaker. He's written a couple of books you might be familiar with, such as Social Media Explained, The Content Code, and The Tao of Twitter. He's also been a frequent guest on this podcast, and his latest work is called Known, The Handbook for Building and Unleashing Your Personal Brand in the Digital Age. Mark, welcome back to the show. Oh, Michael, where have you been? It's been too long. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, I'm super excited about this new book. I've seen an early uh, copy of the book, and um, I want to start with a little bit of the Mark Schaefer story, because this, this book is really about thought leadership, and I would love to hear your story, Mark. How did you become known? Because I know that for you, this was uh, becoming what you are right now was something you did later in your career, and I'd just love to hear kind of what got you here. Well, you know, it's so interesting that (laughs) when I thought I was known, I really wasn't. (laughs) And that had a big impact on me and, and why I wrote this book, because I used to work at a big company. I was a global director of e-business at a Fortune 100 company. I had won all these awards. I had seven patents. I had a big global team. I had stock options in a company car. And then nine years ago, I left to start my own business. And I started to teach and write. And all of a sudden, I was like the go-to guy for nothing. All of that stuff that I thought was important that made me known at my company didn't matter anymore. Nobody knew my title. Nobody knew what I had done or cared. Nobody knew what awards I won or you know, what, uh, how many stock options I had. And what I realized was the only thing that matters in terms of your online presence is to be known. And when I say known, I don't mean famous like lights and paparazzi and red carpets. I mean optimized in a way, having an appropriate digital presence to help you achieve your goals in your career, whatever they are. And I struggled like anybody else. First, I didn't know what I was doing, and this is one of the things I was reminded of 
when I was doing the research for the book. I interviewed about 100 people in all different fields for this book, and I was reminded that even the people we look up to started at the bottom. I mean, I've wrote a book, a book on blogging, but when I started blogging, I didn't know anything about it. I'm now a consultant. I consult to big companies. But when I started doing consulting, I knew very little about it. And that's the way it is with a lot of people. Well, everybody really that, that, are, that are known today, that we look up to today. And that's an important lesson, I think, that you don't necessarily have to be an expert. It's, uh, it's a process. You just have to have an openness and a willingness to learn continuously. What was the turning point for you, Mark, when – what did you do that started you becoming known again in this, this next stage of your, your path, if you will, once you went out nine years ago on your own? Well, I have a secret to tell you. <laughs> I had a little goal in my mind, and it was this, that uh, I thought I would really make it if I saw – my picture in that little ad for social media marketing world. <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> now, but, but you bring up a very, very good point, a very good point here, and it's this. That was a personal goal, but it didn't really define me as being known. And one of the problems that I think a lot of people have is they – set these milestones and they let other people determine their validation. Mm. And we have to we have to be centered on the journey. We have to be enjoy the journey. One of the things that I thought was so fascinating I, I absorbed a lot of research. I read every book I could get my hands on to, you know, to create this path for people in this book. And here was something that I learned, and it seems so obvious, but the the people who are who who are known, whenever they talk about what they do, they often talk about the positive impact they have on other people. And the reason that's important is because it takes a long time normally for people to become known. In my book, I'd say two to three years is kind of the sweet spot. So you have to spend a lot of time with this, and it helps you on this journey if you think you're on a mission because you're helping other people. You're doing something that are going to benefit other people. And some people knew that from the beginning. Some people I interviewed realized it somewhere in the middle of the journey where, wow, people really like me. I'm really having an impact here. So that was, that was something I learned when I was doing the research. Okay, so you've written a book on Twitter. You've written a book on content. You've written a book on social media. You did one on blogging. What, what, why this book? You know, why did you decide to write something that was a little different than all the rest? Well, there were really two seeds for this. When I was doing research for my last book, The Content Code, I got into a dialogue with our mutual friend, Jay Bear. And I was interviewing him and getting some information for the book. And we got into this debate, can anybody become known? 
And Jay said, you know, I'm not sure. I just don't know if anybody could become known. It seems like you have to have a certain it factor that I just can't define. And Michael, for three and a half years, that conversation haunted me. Hmm. It was like this big question that I could not let go of. Could you have a process? How do people become known? Is there something that everybody does? Now, here was the other seed that was really planted for this book. Uh, I have a lot of people that come to me and they say, can I pick your brain? And I'm a nice guy and I don't want to say no, but I can't say yes to everybody. So I have this little thing on my site where people can sign up for an hour of my time for a little bit of money. So that weeds out who really wants my time. But it's turned out to be a lot of fun. I get questions from people from all over the world and ask me, how do I get in a position where I can write a book someday? Mm -hmm. How do I get in a position where I can be a speaker someday? How do I get appointed to a board? How do I attract more clients in my industry? How do I become regarded as a voice of authority? And I kept finding myself giving the same answer over and over again. Well, to do that, you have to be known. And I thought, it's not really fair to give that answer without telling them how. So I went on this journey. It took me about 15 months to write this book. And I kind of had a framework of what I thought the answer could be. But once I started interviewing all these amazing, inspirational people from education, real estate, construction, banking, art, music, finance, all kinds of different fields. These people are known as authorities in their field. And I discovered, Michael, they all did the same four things. Everyone, everywhere, in any region of the world, they all did the same four things. Okay, so okay, felt, okay. So I'm going to... I felt confident that I had a path. Awesome. So we're going to get... Let's. I want to dig into those four things. And I, I just want to tell you that I personally believe anyone is capable of becoming known. I don't think that you need an it factor. I think you can learn it. That's my personal thoughts on that. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming you wouldn't have written a book if you didn't believe something similar. Is that a safe well, assessment? I, I, you know, I, I, I didn't know. I mean, honestly, whenever I write a book, I let the research write the book. But I agree with you 100%. That doesn't mean everybody can execute. Right. But I believe 100% that, that if you follow the path in this book, you if you're disciplined and committed and work hard, it can be done. And before we get into kind of these four traits, these four activities that they partake in, I just want to dig a little deeper here because I think that becoming known, you hinted, it could be lots of things. Like it could be I uh, simply want to not have to work as hard to get more clients or I want to be able to get more speaking gigs, or I want to be able to uh, write a book. What else could it be? Um, I just want to be respected by my peers. I would yeah. imagine, right? What are what you know? What other things do people want to be known for? Because I want, I want the audience listening right now to understand that this could be lots of things, right? Well, you know, here's here's one of my absolute favorite examples. There was this doctor, and what she wanted to be known for is she wanted to just be known in her in her county mm. that's that she just wanted to be known in her county because she lived in a rural area where children were not getting inoculated 
And she wanted to change that. And she wanted to have an impact. And so she started creating content around that. And she had a powerful impact on her community. Now, she's never going to be on the BBC. She's never going to be on the nightly news. But she doesn't have to be because that was her job. That was her goal is to get this message out. Awesome. So you hinted that there are four universal, so to speak, things that people that are known seem to do. Let's go ahead and scrape the surface of that a little bit, if you don't mind. Well, the first one is, is I think, is, it might be a little controversial. And uh, the reason it's controversial is because most of the other self-help stuff out there starts with passion. You got to find your passion. But here's the thing. The research does not support that. It does not support that. Most successful people, most successful entrepreneurs, most people who are known, it may or may not have anything to do with their passion. It has to be something sustainable. It has to be something that you love. But sometimes a hobby is just a hobby. There was a professor at Georgetown University that studied this and did a whole uh, thesis on this, and he showed that this is really a myth, that it, it, you, know, you don't just follow your passion. So the first thing I kind of explode in the book is I reset this and say, look, it doesn't start with passion. There's probably a lot of people <laughs> listening to this right now that are feeling a little dizzy <laughs> because that's all they hear in our world today. Right. So – so I have exercises in the book to help you define the first step in the path, which I call finding a sustainable interest. This is what you want to be known for. And that the key thing is, is that it has to be able to uh, last a long time and it has to affect an, uh, a, a critical mass of people to make a difference. If, you, if, you, if you're going to be working on something for a good part of your life, you should have a plan, not just follow a dream blindly. So step back. Let's, look, let's think through some exercises to make sure this is really going to achieve your goals and there's enough people out there to help you uh, attain that. I'm glad you said that because um, for me, it used to be white papers. And that was my highly sustainable thing that I, exactly. that I, that I could do as long as people needed people to write white papers, you know, yeah. um, it was pretty sustainable. So, yeah. and it wasn't necessarily something I loved to do. It was just something I was really good at, you know? Right. Yeah. And, um, but you, but you loved it enough yeah, to pursue it. Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. So the first thing is finding a sustainable interest. What's yes. the next thing? The next one is to, f is to find your space. And what I mean by this is once you find your voice, once you find what you want to be no known for, now you've got to figure out where am I going to tell this story? And one of the issues today is that, you know, it's a very noisy world out there. Uh, it's very crowded. There's a lot of competition. And that you've, so you've, this is a very big decision. In fact, I would say most people who fail on this path fail because they've made the wrong decision on step number two, which is the space. 
I gave a talk about this recently, and this guy came up to me after my speech, and he said, Mark, I've been struggling with this for four years. I've been trying to become known in this field for the last four years. I've been working so hard, and the first 10 minutes of your talk, I knew exactly what I was doing wrong. The space I'm in is just over flooded with, with people and with competition and content. I've got to try something else. So, so I've got I've got – Exercises, gonna, yeah, exercises. Let me let me ask this question real quick. When you say you find your space, yeah, what do you mean? Because that could be misinterpreted. Well, I, I I spell out in the book eight different ways to find your space, even if it's very very crowded. So let me give you an example. There's a real estate agent that became known. She became hugely successful uh, in this mid-sized county in Tennessee that had 6,000 real estate agents. But none of them were really using Instagram and Twitter very well like she did. So she was able to to, – to, she had this unique, quirky, funny voice and she published it in a place where real estate agents usually weren't and she's blown up. She's become hugely successful. I met this lady in Brazil. She's a food video blogger. Now, how many food video bloggers are there? A bajillion. What she does, Mike, is she creates recipes from the movies, famous recipes from movies and TV shows. Hmm. And she dresses up like the characters and makes the food on these videos. So this is – so she's found a, a niche that nobody else is occupying. Now, the good news is – there's still lots of opportunity out there. The internet is just beginning. We're going to look back at, at this year, 10 years from now, and we're going to say, oh, I wish I lived back then. There was so much opportunity, so many different ways to become known. So don't be disheartened. It just takes a little work, and the book will help you get there. So just to clarify, when you say find your space, you're really talking about the medium upon yeah. which you're going to um, become known. And that's what I hear you saying. Is that correct? Like mm -hmm. you mentioned YouTube or, and you mentioned Instagram. And then you mentioned, of course, mm -hmm. the content that these people were creating. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay, cool. And then the third thing? The third is content. So you have to choose which, which type of content. And I basically narrow it down to four which would be some sort of written content, some sort of audio content, some sort of video content, or maybe photography. We see a lot of people having success on things like Instagram and Pinterest today. Hmm. And so you need to focus this, – this is what I call rich content, one of these four. And what I try to do in the book is to, is to keep people from being overwhelmed and thinking that there are just so many things, so many choices, need to be everywhere – so I have exercises in the book to help people focus on precisely the right kind of content for them, how to figure it out, and how to get started. What I love about this little part right here is I, I'm a big advocate of this because I've always said that if you think about – I mean anyone who's listening right now, think of the niche in the industry that you're in and just ask yourself, who are the people that you look up to? My guess is that they create content. They either write blog posts or they write articles inside of physical magazines or they've got a podcast or they're producing uh, videos on YouTube or they're doing live video shows or they're just excellent visually, right? Um, 
And this seems to be the thing that most people aren't willing to do. You know, it seems like everybody wants to bypass this, Mark. <laughs> what do you want to well, say to those you, people? You, because you, you gotta do, you gotta do the work. Yeah, you, you really won't, you do. won't get there without the content, unless you know, unless something crazy happens. <laughs> Don't you agree? I, I interviewed this amazing young guy. He, if you can imagine this, he is making a career playing the bass on YouTube by himself. Mm. <laughs> now that may sound boring, <laughs> but. He does amazing things on the base, and he and this is a great quote. He said, "The reason I have become known, and the reason anybody becomes known on YouTube or one of these social channels today, is because they're willing to put an insane amount of work. And all these people uh, put in a lot of work. And 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 I, you know, this this is not a fluffy book. This is a very in-your-face book that says, look." If something's hard to do, I'm going to tell you it's hard to do. I'll, you know, I'll give you some workarounds. But one of the th things I address in the book is, is this the right time for you? Because this is what's, what it's going to take. Are you willing to put in this many hours a week? Because that's what it's going to take. And you better plan on doing it for two or three years before you reach a tipping point. Because even the most amazing people that we look up to in this world spent years creating content spent years developing an audience, which is the fourth step in the path, before they became known. Um, back to the content, I'm assuming you started with writing, is that correct? I did, I, and, and I think this is an important um, lesson, is that when you're looking at your space and you're trying to figure out what's your niche going to be, Sure, you need to look at the open holes. You need to look at what the competition is doing. But you also have to embrace something that you love. And I started out as a journalism major. I like writing. I love writing. And so for me and many others, it doesn't really matter what the competition is doing. I, I need to love what I do. If you don't love what you do, people are going to see that. They're going to know that. And it will show up. You know, it's funny because I started as a writer and I know I'm a good writer, but I actually am even better as a verbal communicator. And I now really enjoy my podcast work and my live show work. And I'm no longer a writer, even though, even though we have a huge blog, I don't write any of the content. Mm -hmm. And um, the good news is that if you can communicate well in any form, then you're probably going to be heading in the right direction and you don't need to be like, you know, like social media examiner where we try to master video, audio and written. I think you can just frankly go into one and then if it works really well, you can expand. What's your thoughts on that? No, you're exactly right. That is definitely the best practice. You can't give in to FOMO and look at all your competition and think I got to do this. I got to do this. You have to pick one. You have to do it really well. Social Media Examiner didn't start a podcast in year one. You started a blog, you built an audience there, and then you decided to diversify. And that's what the best people do. So you need, it's an important decision. Uh, you need to experiment, try some things, and then pick one and then work on it for you know, a period of time. The other thing I have in my book is, is a measurement system. 
so you can actually track your progress because this is a big decision. How do you know if it's working? How do you know if it's time to pivot, change up, change it up, or quit? So I've got a little process in my book, and there's a workbook you can get with this book, and it even has templates you can use to help measure to see whether it's working or not. So just to review, uh, step number one is find a sustainable interest. Then Mm -hmm. number two, find your space where you're going to tell your story. Number three is Mm -hmm. decide what kind of content you're going to produce. And then the fourth one, Mm -hmm. which you hinted at, is develop an audience. So let's expand on that a little bit. How do we go from producing content to developing an audience? Well, the, the value of content in our world is zero unless people see it and share it. So you can't just you know, lay it out there in, in the world. You have to actively build your audience. And this is one of the amazing opportunities we have today. Back in the days before the web and social media, if you took out ads or you had brochures or direct mail, you could never really be sure if anybody was reading it, responding to it, signing up for something. Now we have all this digital data coming at us and we can be proactive in building that audience and engaging with that audience. So I interviewed a lot of great people for the book and they provided some of their best practices. How did they build their audience? How did they engage with their audience? And another theme that comes out is just this tireless commitment to the audience. I mean, the the people who become known they really put their audience first, no matter how big they become. There's one uh, amazing woman. She's a travel blogger in the UK, and she said, I've kind of put on the brakes. I don't want to get much bigger because I want to still be able to engage with all of my community members. That is what's first. And you hear that sort of commitment and love for the community in, in all the people that I interviewed. So when I think of audiences, there's a couple things that come to mind. It could be YouTube subscribers. It could mm-hmm. be Facebook fans, Twitter followers. Um, it could be email subscribers. Do you have one that you think is more important than the others as far as like for someone who's thinking about getting started and trying to, you know, grow that audience? Well, I mean, one of the things that I emphasize throughout the book is that there's no solution that fits for everybody. But if you had to pick one, This is a recommendation that may surprise some people, and I would choose Twitter. Really? Yes. And the reason is I think there's – and again, it depends on who you're trying to reach. You have to look at your audience very, very carefully. But let's say you're some sort of a business professional. First of all, Twitter is still a massive program. It's still a popular program platform. It's gotten some bad press because it isn't meeting Wall Street's expectations, but there are still 330 million people who use Twitter, who love Twitter, as part of the fabric of their lives. It's part of the popular culture. We see tweets on television shows all the time and on the news. Now, some people, you may be able to connect on LinkedIn. That makes a tremendous amount of sense. But there's not a lot of chit-chat going on on LinkedIn. There's not a lot of opportunities to find for engagement. And again, I'm not – you know, it, it, it's different for every different person and every different business. 
Facebook is mostly friends and family. Mm-hmm. Now, you and I kind of have a bigger audience than that because we're you know kind of in the marketing business. But for most people, they don't want new business connections on Facebook, all right? So you look at LinkedIn. Yes, you can connect, but there's not a lot of relationship building going on there. So what do you have left? What are the other options? And the one I like is Twitter. And for a couple of reasons. First of all, you can look for opportunities to engage with people on Twitter, even if they don't follow you back. Another reason I like Twitter is because there are so many third-party utilities to help you find people who are relevant to you. And I've, I've just seen a lot of case studies where people are – they want to connect with certain people at a company or they want to connect with certain people to maybe get interviewed for a job at, at some place. And they've had a lot of success with Twitter compared to some of these other platforms. So uh, again, it's, it's not a perfect solution. Uh, there are a lot of deficiencies with Twitter as well. But if you had to pick one for those reasons, I'd pick Twitter. How do we know when we're actually, and I, I know you've got worksheets and stuff on this, but how do we know when we're breaking out or how do we know if it's working? Can you give any clues? Because a lot of people might be, you know, consistently, they might be thinking, I've kind of been doing what you're talking about, but I still haven't really had anything to move the needle. Is there some signs that we should be looking for to know that we're heading down the right path? Well, one of the things that I encourage people to do in some of these worksheets and templates that I've provided in, in the workbook is uh, the, the process occurs in, in phases, really. So in the first year, you should be getting an increase in awareness. So look for signs of that. Are you being mentioned? Is, are your followers growing? Are you, what are some what are some of the signs that your awareness is growing that you're becoming known in the second year as you continue to create this content consistently you should be getting some higher level signals like you should be getting uh, connections from uh, influencers there you, go. Uh, you people should be your subscription rate should be growing people should be opting in to whatever you choose your YouTube channel or your or your podcast or whatever are those keep track of that are the subscriptions going up month by month are you starting to get some inquiries and then the final thing you need to keep your eye on is what is your business goal Are you seeing little incremental signs track everything that could be a leading indicator that you're making progress? An interview, if someone interviews you for a podcast, that's an inquiry. That's a sign. You're moving in the right direction. You're becoming known. Someone wants your input for a blog post or a white paper or an ebook, or they want you to come speak at a local club. Those are all positive signs that should not be ignored because what happens is somewhere between that two and three year point, there's a tipping point and all of a sudden things start to move. And this this was another amazing learning for me in this book. As I mentioned, I interviewed nearly 100 people and the last question I asked everybody was, 
if you could reach out and give one message of encouragement to someone who's reading this book just to, to become known, what would you say? And almost every person gave uh, a version of the word consistency. Oh, I'm so Res- glad you said that. Resilience, tenacity. They said the saddest thing is to watch people making progress. They don't know it and they quit too soon. There's nothing sadder than seeing people put in all this work and they quit too soon. And I think maybe people assume that the, the, the ones that they admire, the people that are known today, made it in a year or were an overnight success. And I guarantee you that is not true. There's a lot of work that's been done and you've got to put in the work too, but it can be done if you follow this path. Mark, I, I want to speak for a minute because I've been thinking about this for years. And there's one thing that's related directly to what you said. And I want to ask you after that for some of the other pitfalls, but I'm going to talk about one of them. So many people have this one desire. And this one desire might be to land that ideal client or to speak on X stage. And then once they achieve that, they focus their effort into that client or or into that stage. And then they literally die off. They're like... Um, they're like like a, like a match, you know, that lit was bright and it's gone. It's like magnesium burning. And I think that what I want to say to people that are listening right now is that you still have to consistently create the content even when you become successful because Mark and I have seen people go away. It happens every year, right, Mark? It's because yeah. they stop. They think they've made it and they assume they're going to be like this forever and they stop producing content. Feel free to expand on that or... Give me your thoughts on that. Well, I'll tell you a little story that'll that'll make you laugh. I think, um, as I was writing the book, I got a call from from Phil, uh, and he was inviting me to come back to Social Media Marketing World 2017. Can't wait to be there. It's my favorite event of all time. And Phil and I got off the the track, and we started talking about my former career in the corporate world. And he said, you know, Mark, I feel like you know, you're my friend and we've worked together for five years. I had no idea you had done all that stuff in the corporate world. And I said, Phil, let me ask you something. The reason you're asking me back to the marketing world is because I'm known, right? He said, yeah, that's right. And I said, if I went away, I probably wouldn't be invited back. <laughs> He said, that's probably right, too. <laughs> so, I mean, that is a real-life example where, you know, one and, of the Yeah, guys, and if you weren't consistently yeah. creating content and yeah. podcasting and, and sharing your views, then you wouldn't be top of mind. And it's not like I do it just to do it. It's, it's something that I love. I get a lot of reward from it. Uh, I mean, I talked about the importance of purpose. And every single week, every week of my life, somebody writes me a note that says, thank you for writing this blog post, or thank you for helping me, or thank you for writing this book. It's changed my business. It's changed my outlook. It's changed my life. And that is fuel. That is fuel. And I'm not going to stop as long as I've got that fuel coming at me. Well, Mark, um, I think this is a perfect spot to tell everyone where they can get your book and the workbook um, and I implore everyone to 
grab a copy of Mark's book. He is an excellent, excellent writer. I told him privately that I was jealous that he wrote this book because I think I think I wanted to write something like this, but he's better. So seriously, go go read it. It's it's really very, very good. I didn't read the whole thing, but I read enough to know that it's an excellent book. So Mark, tell everyone where they can find the book and anything else you've got going on. Well, thanks for your very kind words. And uh, the book is available online. It's on Amazon. You can get a paperback copy, hardcover, Kindle version, and an audio version. And then as Mike uh, said, there is also a workbook that goes with it with all the exercises in the book and some bonus material and templates to help you really get focused and aligned and uh, pointed in the right direction. So the book is called Known. The Handbook for Building and Unleashing Your Personal Brand in the Digital Age, and it's by Mark Schaefer. Mark, walk up. Sorry. Mark, thank you. I almost said welcome. I, I almost kicked into my welcome I'm script. Thinking, oh, man, this is fun. We're going to start all Welcome over to the next version of the podcast. <laughs> Mark, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your insight and knowledge with us. Thank you so much, Michael. Well, I hope you got a lot out of today's interview. If there was anything that uh, we mentioned and you just didn't catch it, don't worry. We take all the notes for you at socialmediaexaminer.com slash 239. Hit that subscribe button on your podcast player so you don't ever miss a future episode of this show. And grab your virtual ticket to Social Media Marketing World by visiting socialmediaworld17.com. This brings us to the end of another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back with you in the driver's seat next week. I promise. I hope you make the absolute best out of your day. And may social media continue to change your world. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner.